everyone and thank you for joining us tonight for our April and Team uh, Themes panel discussion. Uh, I'm Katie and I'm Transformize Exhibitions and Programs Coordinator and I'm thrilled to be joined by two of our participating artists, Julie Shea and Evian Roberts, as well as E17 lead mentor Christopher Cardin Bikas and fellow E17 artist Jennifer Lillis. The Exercises for Emerging Artists program is Transformers annual peer critique and mentorship program that is designed to stimulate and encourage the participating artists as they create new work and receive feedback amongst themselves and from visiting artists. Focusing on a different medium each year, E17 was centered on zines and DIY publishing. Transformer invited seven artists to participate in this year's program, and we all met via Zoom between the months of March through June. The majority of these meetings also featured a diverse roster of guest mentors whose artistic practices all involve zines and publishing who provided insight and feedback to each of the artists. In every meeting, the artists shared the progress of their works, uh, which eventually became fully realized projects that are now available in limited quantities on Transformers online shop, as well as featured in Transformers storefront window as our current exhibition. It's a beautiful display and I highly encourage all of you to stop by and see the exhibition in person, which will be up until September 5th, which is also Evian's birthday. Um, so at this point, I'll ask all of you to mute yourselves um, and it's optional to turn off your videos. Uh, we'll have a brief Q&A session near the end of this panel. So feel free to type the questions into the chat as you think of them, either to me directly or to the group. Thanks, Katie. Um, so yeah, thank you all for joining us. Um, as Katie said, this is now going to be a live recording of the podcast Paper Cuts. Uh, I am your host, Christopher Cardenbicus, and I am joined by my co-host, Jennifer Lillis, who is also a program, or a program participant. We are joined tonight with Julie Shea and Evian Roberts, and we'll be talking about their zines they produce as part of the E17 program. Um, before we get started, I do really want to just thank Katie and Victoria from Transformer for all the work they did for this program and all the support they gave uh, all of us to make these zines happen and for these programs to happen. Um, the conversation tonight will be running for about 40-ish minutes or so, conversation between the four of us, um, and then we will open it up to audience questions. So as Katie said, we do ask that you keep your microphone muted in the audience. But if you have questions, please feel free to type them to the chat window at any time. And we will come back to ask your questions uh, in the final 10, 15 minutes of the program. All these zines, or I guess some of the zines are actually available on the Transformer website. There's a lot that's sold out. They are going fast. Um, so I would encourage you to actually purchase what you'd like immediately today because they'll probably be all gone by the end of this program. Um, but to get things started, I would like to introduce Evian Roberts and Julie Shea. Evian, she, mm -hmm. her, is a queer, fat, black femme who is deeply committed to intersectional feminism and black girl magic. She lives in Maryland and is currently pursuing a master's in social work where she intends to keep working to promote equity sex workers and trans folks. Her writing has appeared in the poetry anthology, A Garden of Black Joy, Global Poetry, from the edges of liberation and living, as well as in online literary journals, such as Kissing Dynamite, where she was the featured poet for August 2019, Ithka Lit, Not Your Mother's Breast Milk, Rogue Agent, and elsewhere. Her zine that she produced for E17 is titled Ruminations, 
And this is a reimagining of mental aches and uh, her body's anguish, circling back through all the skin and pain and asking, where does my trauma sleep? Julie Shea is a graphic artist whose drawings explore the horrors and curiosities of otherwise ordinary subjects. She has a keen interest in the surreal and absurd and is an avid connoisseur of puns. As a first generation Taiwanese American growing up in rural Texas, gave her an odd sense of humor that came from grappling with social isolation, otherness, and dual cultural identity. Today, she lives in Washington, DC, where she continues to draw and create visual puns through her artist books. The zine that she produced for E17 is titled Bag Bad Eggs, or Bad Egg, rather, sorry. Eggs hold more meaning in Chinese culture than just a kitchen staple. Bad Egg shares the many personality traits conveyed through eggs in Mandarin, as well as recipes to classic Chinese dishes in an exploration of linguistic and culinary curiosities. So, Evian and Julie, it's been great working with you for the E17 program, and I'm really glad that we get to talk more about the work that you've produced uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I have like kind of starting questions for each of you. And then from there, we'll let the conversation just kind of unfold as Jennifer and I have lots that we want to ask you, but I'm sure you have a lot of questions for each other and we'll keep this conversation between the four of us kind of open. Um, but Evian, you're first. Um, working with you over the past few months was really exciting because you've been working in such an experimental way. It seemed like you were really embracing the opportunity to try new things and to experiment both through your writing, but also with how you were developing visual work. Um, I can imagine, I could imagine that this is actually a slightly terrifying act, but also a process where you had to fully trust yourself and your ability to pull together several dissonant pieces into a zine that is a bit hard to define. How would you describe your production process and what are some of the things you learned while making the zine? And I, I will say one more thing as well, but after you answer that, if you wouldn't mind actually reading from your zine, um, that would be wonderful as well. Sure, yeah. Um, so like the production process, I don't know, because I've never done it before. So it was um, whatever, like, it's just terrifying, I'd say, like, from the second that um, I think Katie uh, messaged me and was like, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, sure. And then we started and like, I was thinking about what to do. I was just scared the whole time. And then I started to do it and then I started to relax. And so it was like, <clears throat> it was less of a process that I could actually like say like, oh, I kind of started this way. And I kind of started that way with like material things. It was kind of like, I was terrified. Then I was less terrified. And then I figured out how to do it. And then everybody was super encouraging. And I kind of got my shit together and like, was like, this is, this is okay. Like, it's not as bad as I think it is mostly because I'm super critical of myself. So I guess my process is to like <laughs> jump in and then like, you know, see if it works and if it doesn't work, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, it was, yeah. So terrifying. <laughs> um, and now I've forgotten the other half of that question because I talk so much. <laughs> Um, I think the other half of that was just asking you generally about how, or things you might have learned while producing the zine, not just in zine making, but also about your own practice as a writer and artist. 
yeah, I guess it's really just trust yourself. I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, you're just never, you're not going to be wrong. There's so many right things you could do that they could all be right and they could all be wrong. It's just, you know, not being so critical and using a discerning eye and then like being open and having patience with yourself also, like creating something and giving yourself the space to like walk away from it and then come back and feel it and like not make snap judgments and decide that something's trash. Like you can add one thing, you can take away one thing. It's workable, it's doable. So like just trusting yourself and not being too critical, I guess which is really like just an overall good life lesson that I learned from this. There's something about that like sense of play that I think is uh, maybe more to the forefront in zine production than in other things. And I'd like to come back around to that later on in the discussion. Um, but I did want to just hold some time for you to actually uh, read some of the poetry that you wrote and show some of the, the, the oh, yeah. images to the audience as well. Okay, I can, I can do that. Um, so let's see, I picked this one I, to show like, and I think, and I, now I sort of regret it because I don't know if it's really showable, like it's picking up okay, but like that's the full spread. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, and some of them don't have, like some of them don't have poetry in the pictures, but um, this one I particularly like because it does. Um, so this one, I'll just read this one with the, the legs and the moon and the stretch mark. <laughs> Hips won't widen without the meaning of a kiss. Stagnant vibrations shiver slightly through seasons, leaving bones in place, suffocating on uterine shrapnel. Oh. That's that, but um, I don't know. I'm really excited. <laughs> Every time I flip through this, I'm just like, oh, I'm so excited. I did a thing, but so. <laughs> We're all excited that you did this thing as well. It's one of the, the, the uh, amazing things we keep talking about in our Zoom sessions. The like Zoom zine reading circle is really different than what it would be if we were all able to hold these things in our hands. So. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you for showing a little bit of it to, to the audience and hopefully we can come back to that a little bit as well. Um, but Julie, I'm going to turn the tables here and, and ask you, a, uh, your first question. Great. Um, so I knew your work initially from the book arts world. I think it's fair to say that the zine world and the book arts world are not two completely distinct areas. There is some overlap. Can you tell us some of your background with the book form? And also, when designing this book and producing it, how would you describe your approach? Was the fact that it was being done for a zine-specific program, uh, did that change how you were working with it, as opposed to how you'd work with a, like, a book piece? Um, so I went to the Corcoran to get my master's in art in the book, and they were very heavily focused on artist books. And we always touched on zines like we'd mention it but then our professor my professors most of them were kind of like zines are zines and artist books you know they kind of like separated them a little bit more so i didn't i never made my own zine um until now and um 
I don't know. I think my process was pretty similar where I would stick to a, an idea and kind of expand on it and sketch and draw and write things. Um, but I think it was a little more freeing because artist books, all the, it's so labor intensive and then the materials are so expensive that I would always find myself thinking about like the costs a lot more and kind of holding myself back. And with a zine, I was like, well, I'm going to do this as cheap as possible. <laughs> and um, it kind of helped to talk to, um, I think Monica from Brooklyn. She said something along the lines of no one makes zines to make big money. Like this is, you're not going to get rich making zines. <laughs> and so that was kind of, it, it kind of alleviated the pressure of, of making my piece. So um, yeah, I think I forgot what was the other part I was supposed to say. <laughs> um, I think that's actually the bulk of what I had asked because I wanted to know a little bit about your background mm -hmm. uh, producing books and also like how this being a zine changed some of your approach to it. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that about covers it. Um, mostly I just wanted really missed drawing and illustrating. So that's what I wanted to focus more on for this project. And your drawings of these eggs are also fantastic. Um, Thank you. As a, as a good segue into your reading and show and tell of, of the book, if, would you mind sharing a few, uh, a few selections? Sure. Um, so with my zine, um, I tried to keep the descriptions pretty short. Originally, I wanted to do recipes, and then I realized I I cook enough, but I hadn't made all of these dishes, and so I just started like Googling um, food blogs who seemed to know what they were doing, and I tried one of them, and it was bad. And so I was like, I don't, I really don't have time to make all these dishes. I'm not doing a recipe because I. I can't on good conscience put out like a bad recipe for everyone. So it just turned into um, short descriptions of what the food is. So the first one here that I'm going to read, I guess kind of sets the tone, is the stupid egg. And for the stupid egg, I said, some eggs just don't get it. Don't waste your time with a ben ben because it will always end up runny and undercooked. And then this one is for the egg wrap. It's called a tanping. And usually we eat it for breakfast. Um, and this one goes, this classic Chinese breakfast consists of a thin flatbread griddled and then rolled up with eggs and all kinds of added bonuses inside, such as scallions, pork floss, savory sauces, and 5,000 years of civilization. So most Whenever I was writing, I was kind of just like trying to keep it short, accurate of the description, and then kind of throwing in a little, a little joke in there. <laughs> I realized after I was reading through it, after everything was done, I was like, oh, I'm mostly writing. I wrote this for like, I guess, Chinese kids. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Um... You said that you wanted to, like, at first really focus on some of the drawing or like get back into drawing. And yeah. I kind of want to 
uh, open this question up to, to both of you about like materials and production. Like how, how did you produce the drawings? And also with Evian, like how are you producing your images? Should I go? Julie, you want, yeah, go ahead, Julie. <laughs> um, I have more of a traditional fine art background. So I did a lot of like painting and charcoal drawing, ink drawings. Um, but last year I got an iPad and even when I was in school and I took illustration classes and they encouraged us to try the tablets, I would do it and I was like, nah, I don't like it. And I just, I just wouldn't, I wasn't into it. And so I finally got the iPad and I've been trying to do more digital stuff. Um, and it's a lot more compact. So I was able to like go camping. I did go camping at some points and I brought my iPad so I could work on a couple of eggs. And yeah, I guess <laughs> kind of converted now. Um, for me, I kind of, well, I am not, I, I just do art stuff for fun. And so like I was, rem uh, when we started doing this, I like remembered doing um, watercolor in college art class and I kind of liked it. And like for it being like not being my major, my um, professor always seemed pretty um, psyched about my skills. So I was like, let's try this again. Um, uh, Cause I can't draw for shit <laughs> like a person. I really wish that I could, but they all look, uh, all right. <laughs> um, or if you remember those Stretch Armstrong dolls, that's what they look like. Um, so I was like, let's buy some watercolors. So I bought some watercolors and I was like, let's do this thing. And then I did it and then it came out okay. And I don't, I'm looking at like more people's use of watercolors, how it's very like light and there's lots of like, it feels very like, ooh, and just airy and mine's like fuck yeah and I just like, it's like really heavy-handed um because some of it is I don't know what I'm doing but also like I think for the tone of what I'm doing it works but um so I just kind of like bought a thing and like went all in I guess it's kind of my my jam and then um figured it out and like used some some stuff that I had hanging around the house like permanent marker and did okay <laughs> yeah but um something that i think is really nice about your book and just the kind of like the very few things i've seen is kind of the way the like actual aesthetic and the actual style of the imagery really does relate to your actual writing style too and so um i think it's really it really does show kind of your process of publishing yourself and kind of playing like this like experimentation not only with kind of like new like new or like refound media but even just kind of like with materials you have in your house like the pen right like we always have that one pen and so um my question to you would be kind of I really am into the way that you're actually incorporating some of the poetry into the actual image itself and so um I also saw like on your Instagram story you're, you're playing around with like the like refrigerator words to create po like, poems that way which I think is awesome and so um I wonder if you can possibly talk a little bit more about like how you're like incorporating the language into the actual image itself in the book Oh, that's a really good question, and I'm gonna give like one of the most basic answers because I feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm, like, I don't know. Um, some of it is just really like cutting up words from like I print out 
a poem that I thought of and like usually I think of a poem in an image or I have an image and I think of something um and then I like I print the paper and then I just like cut up the words and then I just kind of play with the placement um but for the most part I feel very I feel like I usually think of something and then I do it and it's done and if I don't like it this is also where the having to trust yourself comes in because I'm like I don't want this um but like having like just really thinking like just like having it in my head and then just kind of going with it like this one like because I'm trying to find one like those like those are really light in the thing but like um like that one took a little bit of like trying to figure out like where I wanted it did it make sense also because of the way that the picture moves so some of it is just really experimenting and then kind of being like like coming back to it and like <laughs> um but I there is no like I don't have like a like it's a very smart question and I don't have like a very smart answer <laughs> so it's just like it's just, a really smart answer what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> like I just put stuff like I like and slap it on there and I'm like okay that looks good so like you're like slapping it on there like kind of like that really does show through and just even the way that the book is printed right and so kind of like it's in a really like chaotic way that kind of like comes together to form its own actual page in itself. I also like how you kind of like are interchanging between like text pages and actual image pages too. I need you to, yeah, you're the, I'm going to have you like, I'm going to redo the book and have you write the description on the back. It's, I love this. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and to follow up with that as well, like there's something about the physicality of what you produce and how that comes through that I think uh is maybe like more able to come across through the zine form because just that motion of like slapping something onto something else is like half of what it takes to make a zine and i think that's an allowance that we can take with this form that is uh perhaps different than producing an art book julie you are going through the the corcoran and like all these materials are really expensive and um precious and you can't be as like destructive with it necessarily in order yeah. to create something new. So I, I guess like one thing that I've always found with zines is just the way the materials themselves can open up what is possible. Um, and to kind of turn the question back to you now, Julie, is like this mode of working, like what was, what was it able, what were you able to achieve with the materials that you would not necessarily for like an artist book project? Um, definitely making more of them because when I'm binding by myself, I mean, I'm going to get tired and I just, I'm just not going to be able to make that many. And so this way, um, I could just order them. And then if I run out, I can order them again. Um, and then it's easier for me to share with people. And, and also, um, I always liked going to zine fest because the, the zines are like, what, like five to 15 bucks maybe and you can get a whole bunch of them and if you get an artist book it's like oh this one's like $300 okay then I'll have one <laughs> I suppose if anything yeah so um I don't know um I was actually thinking um Evian when you were talking because in the beginning of uh E17 when we were sharing like our brainstorms and stuff and you always seemed kind of 
like a little shy about your drawings. You're like, uh, I don't have like an art background, but this is it. And I was like, those are cool. And it's perfect for zines. Like it's so punk rock, just, you know, splashes and drips and stuff. It's great. I like, thank you so much. I really like how delicate yours is. Like, I don't know if that was like purposeful, but your zine feels very like, because it's so put together and so like, uniform in a way where everything is like obviously it's different but it's it's like I don't know I just feel very like it feels very soft and like like a hug I don't know but I I really like it and I don't know what it is about it and it also makes me hungry so that's good um but yeah I I I love that yeah I love that softness about your your oh I'm glad yeah because I I was doing it in like um the charcoal pen pens and so I was keeping everything really really soft but keeping the faces really disturbing so yeah I did a good like job <laughs> yeah you're able to really put a lot of a lot of character into those into those faces of the eggs yeah um I tried trying to scare people <laughs> they're definitely like a little shocking at first uh but also amazing that it seemed like you you knew the visual that you wanted pretty immediately once it started. Like the first few images you uploaded into our group folder, it seems like that aesthetic kind of carried all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had a pretty good vision of, um, even before you contacted me for E17, I had, I, had, I have a, a long list on my phone and in my notes of just like, Huh, ideas like possible ideas to to I don't know make a an artist book or something out of and eggs were on there and I had always pictured it with like warm tone brown the whole way <laughs> and so yeah I didn't deviate that much from it. Um, there's something that like I like to hear each of you talk a little bit more about how you use language in your work. Um, Julie, obviously it's creating this book out of both Mandarin and English and trying to craft something that is like short and concise and also very effective, like very, uh, uh, like at once like funny and informative. Um, and Evian, like the use of language as Jennifer was saying, both mixed into the images that you're creating and how that the words can create almost like a, a linguistic like landscape throughout the, throughout the pieces. Um, so it's kind of a long ramble to get to a, a general question about the use of language for each of you. And if you can each like elaborate on how some of your, uh, uh, how you approach this. Okay. Um, I don't have much of a writing background and so I knew I didn't want to write anything super long. Um, I used to write more when I was in like I guess high school and college, but then I don't know, I kind of just like stopped and I don't, I'm not very confident in my writing anymore. So I was like, let's just keep it short and sweet and have like a little zinger in there and that's it. I like that about yours though, that it feels very like, even though it's concise, it even has like a little like, it does exactly what you wanted it to do. Like, I feel like, I don't feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't understand, I don't get what's going on. Like, I feel very much like, that's the end. I like that, that was cheeky. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think it works really well. Um, 
for mine, I definitely have like <laughs> a fun history with uh, language the way that most everybody here um, has with like art. Um, Cause I, uh, I have a creative writing um, uh, background which that served real well for <laughs> as a major in college. Um, but I don't know. I think I always, with the use of language, it, it wasn't something that I really gave a lot of thought to. I always, um, I've always written. Um, and so I think it was just like the, the, what I wanted to focus on was more like looking at the aspect of like trauma in a way that I've learned through, um, social work classes um, and like the neurobiology of trauma and what that means so like kind of using trying to find language that I feel connects with like the science of it but makes sense in a very physical way for myself um, so like the science part might be lost in translation but the way that I can think of something is very like matter of fact and um, and then relate it to how I know that I feel about certain um, traumatic stuff and then like kind of giving it some visceral language context or so um, I don't know now I'm rambling so well, I get that from your poems like the they're very um, literally and figurative like there's a lot of guts in there <laughs> they're very uh, expressive yeah yeah, I was actually just going to encourage you to keep rambling and keep talking about trauma and how that like figures into the work and how you're like uh, how you're processing things and also illustrating some of what you're working through in your studies. Yeah. So so like so what I found really interesting when I was like learning about the neurobiology of trauma is stuff that I had had experienced physically, I which I thought was just strange, like the fight or flight or freeze um, and uh, that I didn't know that freeze was a part of, like, part of it, and, um, and how, like, my responses were more than normal, and were actually, like, the things that you would, it would, you know, someone who is a, who knows trauma would expect, or, um, just when your bot, how your body holds trauma, and it, like, just sits on it, and it, like, it's, just something that like it can you can internalize and then keep with you unless you really figure it out and so like having like walking around with trauma for however long and then thinking like shouldn't this go away shouldn't I be okay shouldn't this be fine and then realizing like no not really and so <laughs> unless you like fix it unless you like focus on it um so I guess also like this was definitely like for me that was like a big it was like a step in like my like this is you all are paying for my therapy um is what that feels like so um but it was just it's like paying attention to how your body holds trauma even when you're like if you're scared and you can feel things and your body shakes um and things can make you sick like just either like stomach sick or you know just like you feel ill because it's like some sort of traumatic or like trauma response um the body is crazy <laughs> so um you know in the way that it just comes back and like it can just like be cyclical until you like stop it so I felt like I don't know this is these are all things like in the things that I'm writing about are all things that like kind of like I think that I've felt for a while and I just didn't really get it and then I got it and then I didn't know what to do with it um 
So <laughs> put it in a zine <laughs> and shared it with everybody instead of paying for therapy. I think that's one of the powerful things of the book form and, and of zines. Like we can anthropomorphize a book to a degree, right? So these discussions of like, where does trauma sleep? Where does it rest? Where does it actually like take hold and uh, like settle into? Uh, placing that into a book, especially with like the visceral work that you're producing in this, like exemplifies that really well. You know, these marks you're making are like now resting this physical object also permanently. Mm -hmm. You like guys are so perfect. good at this. I love it. Just gonna, <laughs> gonna be, I'm going to have you like write inserts. I love this. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> and plus like with that too, kind of like you're then creating experience for somebody else, right? And so mm -hmm. kind of like how is like the dissemination of that object then becoming more of like a personal experience to the reader. So you do have this like active participation between you as the maker and how that reader then responds to it in a way that kind of like, it is a very unique way and like the way you actually handle the production of your zine. I would think you were doing it forever. Like I love the book. Oh, yeah. Like, Thank it's you. Be like a series of things happening. Mm -hmm. Can't see it in the podcast, but I'm just feeling myself a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> I feel it, I feel it. <laughs> Um, I don't know, maybe to, like, to use the, that word anthropomorphize as a good segue to ask Julia a little bit more about some of, some of your eggs in, in your work, uh, because they are like taking on personal characteristics or they're like physical characteristics in the eggs and their faces and how they're portraying this personality. Um, but I feel like that, that there's a way that like these personal stories and per personal anecdotes can open up like different worlds for a viewer. And as Jennifer said, like, this is the reason that you put out zines and books and distribute them because that then uh, someone else completely outside of you has a very personal relationship with what you're putting into the book, right? And, you know, having like a Chinese culture cookbook and anecdote book, I feel like also just opens up so many other relationships that anyone else can have that is also specific to you, but also like, uh, creates a different angle for someone else to see some of these images with. Um, so this is my turn to ramble. Actually, every time that I ask a question, it's an excuse for me to just like ramble through things and eventually end with a question mark um, and see how that goes. Um, so yeah, I, I guess if there is a way to wrap this up into a question, it's like making this personal, an idea of something personal more universal. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, as, as you were talking, I just remembered, uh, I bought a zine a while back and I do have it in my desk. Um, it's about, this is called Afghan Superstitions by Sabrina Bereksai. But I bought this, I think at the book, the art and book fair last year. And it's basically just all superstitions from Afghan culture. And I didn't know anything about it, but it's so relatable because we all have superstitions. And so I think it kind of inspired me, um, even though you might not know anything about the Chinese like egg 
character phrases, um, you can understand food and I guess you can understand like kind of little fa family idiosyncrasies. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to take just a few more minutes before we open up to audience questions. So I have a couple more things that, or hopefully there's a couple more things that Jennifer and I will ask, but everyone in the audience, if you do have questions, start typing them in for us. Um, what do you want to do each do now with these zines that you have so many of them? Like what happens to these books? Hopefully when things go back to normal, we can continue doing the art and zine fairs. But until then, I think I'm just going to have to rely on social media. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm just following Transformers lead because, I mean, I was just on, I was only doing stuff on Instagram before this, so... <laughs> I'll follow Julie. I'll do whatever she does. <laughs> well, the blind leading the blind. <laughs> Just running in circles. Like, yeah. That's fine. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I mean, what's really nice about Transformer and kind of the, like all the support we've had, not only from like the organization, but from like the mentors and our peers, right? But um, and being able to have that like space to share with like a broader audience. But um, what's really interesting about like we're going into the virtual world of art right now where it's kind of like a lot of people are using social media and a lot of these fairs are actually going virtual right and so um there are like really weird ways to kind of like keeping your stuff out there right so um yeah it should be interesting to see where that goes but um the other thing too you can think about is kind of like the other thing that i really like about self-publishing and things kind of like being able to kind of like make these like connections with like other people who share these interests with you and kind of start like this like trading system which is really easy at the zine fair because all the zines are coming together. And we're all like sharing our topics, but um, I wonder kind of if there's a way using social media to kind of, like, I guess, hashtags. We all love hashtags. <laughs> um, I don't, <laughs> but um, yeah. And so I think social media is a really good way too, or even just kind of like selling them on like the street corners, like make sure you're wearing your mask and six feet apart. Like there's are, there are like still like really cool things happening, like street, markets and things like that like zines can be sold at and kind of like just like things that we are making can still be like shared at like shared with and so on it should be fun and jennifer also like one of the things that i do find interesting about this stage of the like art book fairs or zine fairs is that in some ways putting them online makes them more able to do what everyone wants zines to do which is to become way more accessible to people um, so for example, the New York Art Book Fair is like one of the biggest art book and zine fairs in the world. Um, but it's not very easy for people to head to New York with like a small selection of zines and expect to be able to pay for it, to pay for the trip, to pay for being there for a long weekend and eating and all this and all the zines you purchase as part of it. But they are going to be online. Uh, this coming year instead of being in person at MoMA PS1. And there's a lot of discussion around that as being able to like uh, further make it a more accessible space, right? And I think that becomes really interesting. And 
I would, for example, encourage both of you and like everyone in the E17 program to apply to that art book fair uh, because it is very visible and that's a great way to just get to know more zinesters and more people that are making things. And in some ways, it being online makes it easier for more people to participate. Which is all to say that we should all be making more zines. And Julie and Evian, do you have plans for what your next zine is going to be? Uh, yeah, but I think I always have an ongoing list that I keep adding to. And it's always just like random thoughts and ideas where I'm like, huh, that, that seems kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe I'll look at it again <laughs> and see what I should do next. Um, I actually, start, um, <laughs> as a way to avoid homework, I um, started thinking of another zine, like taking um, old, um, not old, but other poems that I had already had that were like longer in length and um like trying to make like sort of like a scrapbook sort of um but i also remembered that i think for i want to say fourth grade we had to write a, it doesn't matter we had to write a diary on like um paper but we had to make it look old like a, a soldier had written it um so we had to age the paper and i was like aha thing to do um so like i just have been like putting paper in coffee <laughs> and like trying to make it like look aged and then trying to figure out how to do a scrapbook and buying like um imitation gold foil stuff and like getting that everywhere um and you know figuring and like cutting up magazines and trying to figure out like what do i want to do so something is happening so it's sort it's gonna be i guess in the feel of this one but also just like kind of like a totally different look just because that's how my brain started to think of it but we'll see that's really exciting oh i just remembered i can't think on the spot sometimes but <laughs> i just remembered i did have a brainstorm going on for another zine that's kind of similar to what I made with that egg. Um, my best friend and I, because she uh, she was born in China, but um, we kind of were riffing off each other one time and literally translating um, uh, phrases like idioms, you know, like, oh, don't cry over spilled milk, but like literally translating it to another language and seeing how it rolls. And it's always terrible. <laughs> and so that's, I think I've been, uh, writing down like all the all the weird idioms I can think of and translating them and from both languages and just switching them and seeing and seeing how it comes out. The bee's knees is a really is gonna be a good one to draw. Excellent. Well please keep me posted about when that one comes together. Um great. So I am gonna move over to some audience questions. Um, and actually, the first comment that I want to make sure, Evian, that you uh, note, Adam, our first mentor of the program, Adam Griffiths, mentioned that there's a version of Dante's Inferno that incorporates type collage. And it's by the artist's name is Tom Phillips. And the book is from 1983. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Great. And then our first question is actually from Rachna, one of our participants. And this is for Julie. 
And Rachma asks, do you have a favorite egg or one that you relate to the most? Oh, um, I, at this point, I, I think all of 2020 is probably going to be the confused egg. Because <laughs> we're not really sure what's going to happen. <laughs> but for the food, um, I really like the nest egg, the one with the soup, because it's just like a very personal one to me because my parents and I feel like all Chinese parents, like they'll just make you a bowl of soup, crack an egg in it. And they tell you to like, keep your jacket on, dry your hair, you know, be safe. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right, so next question is from Lizzie White to both of you. Uh, how did the two of you figure out how large or small you wanted to make your zines? Did you have an outline or did you find yourself having to cut stuff in the end? Um, I, I think I actually just like took out a ruler and was like, this feels like a good width. And yeah, that was about it. I feel like I had something similar that was like, <clears throat> it was, I had made all my paintings different sizes and didn't think about it once I um, had to scan them. And so it was really kind of like once I scanned them, I was like, well, now that I have some that are smaller, that I have some that are larger, I can't do it really big. Not that I would like have like a huge, but like I can't do it too big because then it'll distort the smaller ones and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of was like, hmm, five and a half by eight and a half feels just right. And then like putting the pages together was like, I did have to get rid of one. I got rid of like three things because it just didn't fit, but I had created them and I was like, man, I don't like this anymore. Um, so again, just kind of holding on to stuff until you just need to chuck it. <laughs> um, next question is from Mayana, another E17 participant. And this is for Evian. She says, uh, you talked about zines as a site for somatic exploration and healing. Poetry and painting is such a right medium for this. What other ways do you see zines as potential portals for healing? Mm. Oh, so smart. Um, I think it's really, I think it's just a, uh, so like, um, uh, like something that you can do, like one of the things like for re like relaxation stuff and like, when you're doing like trauma exploration it's kind of um it's like journaling and so like um which i think is like probably like super popular with a lot of people already like and just like getting stuff down um so i think kind of like the thought of zines as being like a place to just like just put everything on a page and just like have it be like like blah and just like i don't know just make it a thing that you can just like put together and throw out there and like kind of let it go um and not even think about like because there's so you can produce it so quickly it might be something as a way to like a, a nice a nice exercise in letting go and like maybe not um <laughs> holding on and thinking about things too long and of course there's so many different ways of like approaching that but just like vomit throw out don't look back. <laughs> Did you keep your paintings that you, the ones that you got rid of or? 
yeah, I didn't like, I'm, <laughs> I don't throw away anything. So <laughs> there, that could be very therapeutic. At least for me, I've done that where I took out old drawings and I was like, well, this was from a very dark time. Ha ha. And I just like, <laughs> feel good throwing it away. Have you ever made paper? I actually have. And yeah, I was like, damn, we're throwing away so much. There's so many bad ones. Throw up all that bad shit and turn it into a new sheet of paper. That was my thesis. Oh, <laughs> I've only done paper making one time and it was fun. I mean, my friend, like she was really into it and she did it a lot. But afterwards I was like, well, that was cool. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. <laughs> but thank you for the experience. <laughs> You just maybe hurt Jennifer's feelings. Oh no, I'm sorry. I think it's because I was getting frustrated that I couldn't get them like even, like my papers were not, it would be like real thin and then it would get like chunky. Yeah. You have to make at least 3,000 sheets to get, it, to get it down just right. Yeah, I was getting too frustrated to learn paper making in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So I buy paper, <laughs> I'll buy your paper. <laughs> All right, so the next question is from Nikki for Evian. And he says, I really want to read your zine. It sounds like you made your story so vulnerable. And if it was, how did you feel about, about it? And how did you get past that? Is Evian still on? Oh, I think we lost her. Oh, no. Zoom recordings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. There's four minutes left. I think that storm really rolled in. <laughs> okay, hopefully Evian can uh, join us again. And I'll send her a quick email and just see how, how she's doing. Um, otherwise, we have uh, one more question for Evian, but no further group questions, or does anyone have anything to ask here at the end? Are there any zines that you've been reading lately that you would recommend? Oh, actually, I haven't been reading lately. <laughs> um, but I did go into the DC Zine Fest, which they did online. Uh, this was a while back, um, but it was it was pretty nice to like click through people's works and stuff, but I really miss going in and talking to the person and actually flipping through stuff. Yeah. Um, I will say that in terms of like new zines that have just come out, Homie House Press just released a new book. Um, Adriana was one of our mentors for the program and runs is the American side of HHP. And uh, their new book is called um, is called Love. And I would highly recommend picking that up. Uh, Gender Fail also put out um, a new collection. Jennifer's got the shirt on. Gender Fail shirt. Yep. Yeah, I think it's another a second volume on their uh, collection of essays about failure. Is there a new one? Jennifer, any zines that you're reading? Um, I actually just ordered the new Gender Fail anthology, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And then um, zines, 
I mean, this is going to come back to E17, but um, I've definitely been like, I'm in the process of working my syllabus for George Mason. And so um, I've been referring back to the CETA syllabus like crazy. And oh, just being like thinking about how I really am like structuring like what type of sources I'm pulling and stuff like that. And so um, it isn't really like zines, but kind of thinking, like, thinking about like the way that I've been able to discover zines through the E17 program. And like, I'm really implementing at least like the format that I've seen from like different people into what I'm like working on personally. And so, um, but I am really, again, to go back to the gender fail one, I'm really looking forward to that second anthology to come out. Yeah, it just came in the mail for me and it's, it's excellent. Yeah. Cool. Forever. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's about seven o'clock, and I I hate to end this before Evian can get back into the room. So we'll give it a couple more minutes. But while we're waiting for just a second longer, just want to remind everyone that uh, Julia Julian Evian's zines are still for sale on the Transformer website, um, or at least I I hope they are. They might have sold out by this point. Um, and the zines are all on display uh, in the window of Transformer at their physical location on P Street. And you can visit them and at least see them from behind a pan panel of glass until the 5th. Oh, Egon's back. I'm back. I am. I got yeeted. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> My internet just pooped a bed. But I'm back. I'm back. All right, great. We were worried. I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple of questions for you. Are you, okay. are you ready to, to jump I'm back? I'm ready. All right. This is from Nikki. Um, they say, I really want to read your zine. It sounds like you made your story so vulnerable. And if it was, how did you feel about and get past that? Mm. So I think it's becoming a little easier um, talking about uh, myself, um, especially with like classes, like kind of we have to like think about our like think about ourselves in the context of um clinical therapy in order to kind of like uh, realize the work that we'll be doing like so that it may and also so it makes sense more for ourselves so we have to like think more about ourselves and also have to like engage in self-care but also um even though i'm being more thoughtful about my own trauma and my own experiences I also like to use humor as a way to talk about my own trauma <laughs> so I'm used to like talking about it and like saying awkward things and just like <laughs> and like just letting it go so I think I talk a lot more about stuff that is like vulnerable and awkward and personal um that would be like impossible for others to talk about but I just I have friends to just talk about it with because they make me comfortable and also because things come into my head and I can't stop myself. So I have to talk about it. And if I have to talk about it, I have to make a joke. So um, it definitely is different than talking about it in a more serious way, but it's just like all of these things are already at the top of my head. So it wasn't so hard to talk about, um, but it was hard to um, not make jokes <laughs> so but it was um it was good it was good either way but yeah being vulnerable isn't super difficult it's just i guess like 
being honest? Is that a thing? I don't know. I feel like I've just gone in a circle. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so I think the uh, last question is from Tommy. And this is for Evian. Did you always start with writing a poem and then creating the art piece to enhance it? If not, while you were exploring trauma through creating these poems and art pieces, did it ever surprise you which art form the trauma inspired you to choose to express slash process it? Um, let's see. So I kind of, so I always, I thought that I was going to end up I, th I can't remember which 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 way I thought I was going to end up doing it. I think I thought I was going to like write and then paint, and then I ended up just going back and forth. Um, and then sometimes, like sometimes there was just pictures I had, and then sometimes there was just words I had, and um, and then sometimes they all happened at the same time. Um, and then I think some of the things that I was maybe like some of the things that I was less angry about or felt less close to um it kind of did change the style of like the the way that I use the um paints and stuff um I think things that I was like like uh there's like a painting it doesn't have any words in it but like uh it like like this it was it's like a little like it's heavier handed because I was just like I'm I'm super afraid to die. I can't. It's just a thing. I haven't gotten over it. I'm not ready yet. I can't figure out how to be okay with it. And so I think things that I'm a little closer to, like a little heavy handed and things that are experiences that I've had that happened a while ago, I was able to just be like slightly softer and like a little bit more open with, but like that one, like, ugh, I don't know. So, but I think, was that Tommy Berry? Yeah, that's my Tommy. I know him. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Um, well, Julie, Evian, thank you both for for being here and for sharing your work with us and for taking the time to answer some questions uh, from Jennifer and I and from the audience. Yeah, it's um, super fun. Yeah. And as a reminder, again, for everyone from the audience, you can purchase these zines through Transformers website. Um, and this conversation itself will be edited and put online through the Paper Cuts podcast. Uh, it'll be available to listen to uh, again in, in the fall. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, thank you all for joining in. Uh, Katie, is there anything else that we need to say for Transformer? Um, no, not that I can really think of. Um, I think you covered all the bases. Um, but yeah, once again, uh, the zines are available in limited quantities on our website um, and our storefront uh, exhibition that showcases all the zines will be up uh, until September 5th. So stop on by. Again, for everyone, this is actually like, this is our last recording. So thanks for being part of this for, if you did participate in all three of them, thank you for that. Or if this was the only one you joined in to, thanks for that. This has been really fun and just an, all around wonderful uh, experience and I wish that we could just keep doing some E17 things but I'm glad we're going to have our, our birthday party for EDM. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, this is now the end of the program. Everyone can feel like they can exit if they'd like to. Yeah. Otherwise, Jennifer and I are just going to make really awkward conversations for the next couple minutes.